broadcasting live from an undisclosed location in the western foothills, you're listening to Open Ears, Maine. We want to hear your pandemic stories. To call in, dial area code 515-602-9747. That's 515-602-9747. The phone lines are now open. There are people in most countries who would like to live in the Republic of the United States or the Dominion of Canada where that good Olga Cole is so. The citizens of our free countries are the envy of many people elsewhere because of the personal freedom which we have enjoyed. Why then doesn't every country adopt a form of free government? One answer is that unfortunately there are people and parties in many nations who are so greedy for power that they will sacrifice the freedom of their fellow countrymen to obtain power for themselves. History, even recent history, is replete with such instances. That is why the citizens of the Republic of the United States and the Dominion of Canada must be careful to recognize at its very beginning any movement to steal or limit their freedom. That is not always easy. The man who would enslave a free people doesn't begin by saying, now I'm going to be your dictator. Instead, he probably will claim that he is a devoted supporter of personal freedom. But all the while, he will support policies that weaken and undermine personal freedom. Such a man will deny any totalitarian aims. But free citizens must not be deceived by such denials. Apparently, it is a cardinal principle of every sincere totalitarian that he is justified in lying, if such lies will advance his plans. In these times, no public figure and no party or organization supporting such a person can be accepted without careful consideration. Every public figure and organization must be carefully scrutinized. And if their real aims are to limit or to destroy our freedom as individuals, they must be opposed and defeated. Welcome to episode 13 of Open Ears, Maine. It is Thursday, May 21st, 2020. Sunny and hot today in the western foothills with a steady west-southwest breeze. Perfect. Almost. The lake is still a little bit too cold for me, but tomorrow the temps are again supposed to be in the mid-80s, so I'm pretty darn sure we'll be going for a quick dip. It's always great to get in the water in May, since we also swim in October, meaning half the year, around here at least, is swimmable. I'm your host, Crash Berry editor-at-large for Mainer, the magazine and website at MainerNews.com. Have you listened to my other podcast, Devils and Dirtbags? It's a true crime investigation of the child-molesting priests of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts. It's a pretty friggin' sad and disturbing tale. Listener discretion is advised. On today's show, we'll speak to an official Maine Republican Party candidate from Aroostook County vying for a seat in the legislature, who also happens to be a QAnon analyst and a hater of masks. But first, the numbers. According to Maine's Center for Disease Control, there have been 1,877 cases connected to the coronavirus in Maine. At least 73 Mainers have died with COVID-19, and to date, 
1,145 residents have recovered from the illness. Today's interview will be a little different and a little bit longer than most of the Open Ears main conversations. We're talking to a local political candidate who spends a great amount of time and energy explaining the hints and motives and messages from Q. Q, if you don't know, is a mysterious American online character who supposedly has access to tons of data and dirt on the deep state and the global elites. Q is working against the evil cabal and in support of President Trump, who allegedly communicates with Q and other theorists via secret messages and tweets and official statements. A couple of days ago, I received a tip from a listener to check out a story written by Mark Andre Argentino. You can find the piece about the, quote, Church of QAnon at Salon.com and other websites. Church of QAnon. Search for that. I'll also put a link in the podcast show notes. Argentino's story details the author's thoughts after, quote, attending 12 weeks of a two-hour Sunday online Zoom service from the Omega Kingdom Ministry of Indiana, which was founded by uh, a fellow named Russ Wagner. He's kind of an odd-looking and strange-sounding guy whose sermonizing and biblical interpretations reinterpret QAnon theories through biblical passages. Also, Wagner sometimes seems to reinterpret the Bible using QAnon theories. Anyways, his preaching is pretty confusing. However, the story also discussed Wagner's sidekick, a retired Air Force colonel, named Kevin Bushy, who does a slide-show-and-tell, deciphering the previous week's messages and signals from Q. I've watched a couple hours of the broadcast, and I, I gotta admit, a bunch of the time, I had no idea what Bushy was talking about. Bushy, by the way, also happens to be the main GOP's official candidate for House District 151, in Aroostook County, this is the second time Bushy has challenged longtime Democratic powermonger State Rep. John Martin. In 2018, Bushy lost, getting 1,527 votes to Martin's 2,254 votes. After reading the story and watching and listening to and researching Kevin Bushy, I gave him a jingle and asked if he'd come on Open Ears, Maine, to explain his politics, his anti-mask COVID-19 stance, and why he spends a big chunk of his time thinking about QAnon, and he agreed. By the way, if you have a tip about an angel, or a devil, a helper, or a heel, drop me a line via crash at crashberry.com. Coming up, Kevin Bushy. QAnon analyst and candidate for the Maine legislature. Needs the comfort and inspiration of religious faith 
For it is faith which helps hold our families together, builds moral and spiritual character. And today, perhaps more than ever before, there's a need to turn to a way of life based on the enduring principles of religion. There are a great many programs of religious nature on NBC Radio, which you'll enjoy hearing this Sunday. Among them, The Art of Living, The National Radio Pulpit, Eternal Light, The Lutheran Hour, The Catholic Hour, and The Hour of Decision, conducted by Billy Graham. These are but a few of the broadcasts that will bring you inspiration and comfort, not only this Sunday, but on the Sundays to come. Of course, the Easter message will be the highlight event this week. We know you'll enjoy hearing them as a supplement to your visit to the church of your choice. And when you do go to church this Sunday, take the whole family with you. Welcome back to Open Ears, Maine. Joining us now is Kevin Bushy, a retired Air Force colonel and a candidate for state representative District 151 in the Great North Woods up in Aroostook County near Fort Kent. Kevin, why are you running against John Martin? Well, that is a great question. I'm glad you're opening with that question because it'll help you get a little bit of understanding of who I am. I'm a native uh, Aroostook County person, grew up in the great little town of Ashland, which is about 50 miles from Fort Kent, but the district uh, goes all the way from Oxbow, Maine into New Canada, just on the other side of Fort Kent. I'm running because uh, John Martin has been in Augusta now for 50 years. Most people, particularly the younger generation, probably don't know that. And um, over that period of time, I've seen this county, Aroostook County, deteriorate from over 110 or 12,000 in our population down to somewhere like 65,000 today. We have lost several businesses in many towns. My small town of Ashland lost uh, eight businesses in the last 20 months before the COVID uh, scare. And so the county has been really pretty much left out of the equation down in Augusta. And yet we have had... Um, politicians from Aroostook County go down there and not do a very good job of representing our best interests for Aroostook County. And I hope and aim to change that when I'm elected to represent 151 in Augusta. This is, I believe, the second time you've uh, run against John Martin. You lost the last time. Any thoughts on why you lost? Um, I was a brand new uh, candidate for office in 2018. and. I fully expected that uh, Mr. Martin's uh, reputation and uh, continuance of being in office for 48 years at the time would be a very strong hurdle. Uh, however, I did very well for my first time running. I uh, gathered or garnered 36 or 9%, I think, of the vote uh, first time out of the gate. And uh, we aim to do uh, much better than that this time and to, uh, I think, hopefully get Mr. Martin back to Eagle Lake uh, for his good golden years of retirement. What was the nickname they had for him? Was it like the, the Earl of Eagle Lake? What was Because he was Speaker of the House for forever, it seems. I don't recall. Of course, uh, I was uh, in and out of the county 
most of my working years, having spent uh, 29, a little over 29 years in various uh, active duty and reserve uh, positions for both the Army and the Air Force. And uh, so I wasn't always here, and particularly during the period of time when he was Speaker, uh, I was either on active duty or not in the county. So I don't have all of the uh, idiosyncrasies of uh, what uh, John might have been known uh, by here in the county. What do you think is going to be different about the election this time? I think that, uh, generally speaking, the uh, main citizens, particularly Aroostook County, are going to be really concerned about how we are being currently treated under this uh, COVID scare. The fact that uh, Governor Mills has worked uh, diligently to do the bidding of her handlers out of Washington, D.C., uh, the the folks who are telling these Democratic governors, and Maine's not the only state uh, that is uh, in this uh, situation right now, but we have several blue states uh, with Democratic governors who practically have the states on lockdown and uh, self-quarantine. And, of course, we know here in the state of Maine, 14-day quarantine for out-of-staters coming into the state at the moment. And uh, Maine is a tourism state. Even up here in Aroostook County, we rely on Lots of people coming through for tourism, for hunting and fishing and just hiking and being outdoors and doing outdoor activities. And uh, we are seeing the crumbling of our state right before our eyes, particularly the tourism industry. And you had uh, uh, Rick Savage out of Bethel on your show. And Rick is one of those gentlemen who is uh, suffering greatly. He has been basically shut down by the governor. And... Uh, his, um, I heard him say uh, probably about three weeks ago at that time, he had lost uh, in terms of a revenue stream over $650,000. Well, he's a big operator. With he, he has that kind of operations and, and revenue streams. Uh, most of our smaller businesses here in Aroostook County obviously probably don't have that large of a revenue stream, but they're mom and pop businesses and they're hurting and they need to get open and they need to be able to conduct business as uh, normally uh, as they did before the scare. We've only got in Aroostook County, I, last I heard, two cases of, of the COVID. We had nobody die in the county. So we're not like some of the more uh, urban area counties that may have uh, a large number of cases in the state where most of them seem to predominantly be. So I think the citizens of Aroostook County, particularly my district, are going to be looking very closely on how the Democrats have uh, worked towards uh, keeping the state shut down when, in fact, there's really no good reason to do that. And uh, I even went and talked to our local county emergency management director uh, about 10 days ago, and I asked him if uh, this pandemic, so-called pandemic, was uh, beyond his local control. And of course, he couldn't answer with a straight face because he only had two cases in his entire county. So we have this issue where the governor has proclaimed all 16 counties as being beyond local control, which is her right to do so under the, uh, the statutes, uh, which would be Title 37B. And uh, this was a result of uh, work done by the Democrats and our good independent senator, um, Angus King, when he was governor, when he signed off on Title 37B, which basically gave all the powers for emergencies to the governor and the poor legislative and judicial departments abrogated their power. And so now they're uh, licking their wounds, knowing that they are having a hard time 
convincing this governor that she should do something different than what she's doing across the 16 counties. And I understand that Angus King signed that initially, but uh, a couple of years ago, Paul LePage reauthorized that. Do you have a problem with LePage reauthorizing that state of emergency powers? not sure if uh, Governor LePage really knew what he was signing off on, and if he did, uh, I would say to Governor LePage, um, probably should have had a little bit of a discussion with your fellow um, Republicans in the in the legislature, as well as somebody representing the judicial, because he basically took the state out of uh, uh, its constitutional requirements by allowing for all three departments of the uh, of the state to be co-equal balance of power. And uh, I suspect that uh, there is a move afoot, as you may have heard. I think the minority leader, Kathleen Dillingham, has uh, teed up some um, paperwork that I think she's hoping to get in the the front of the legislators to uh, make some changes to Title 37B. But I don't think it will go far enough, even if it does see the light of day. And I think that will be difficult with a Democratic-led uh, House and Senate. Uh, but Title 37B is part of the conundrum that got us in this situation we're in right now, and, and it needs to be fixed. And I aim to uh, be part of a team to help fix that if I'm elected and nothing has been done to it uh, by the time I get to Augusta next fall. I'm very curious about your perspective on the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, what, what did you call it? An alleged pandemic? What do, you, what, do you believe it's a pandemic? Uh, well, I uh, spent 25 plus years doing emergency management for the Air Force and um, having worked uh, also as a defense contractor uh, for several years uh, in Washington, D.C. And uh, I would tell you that what we're seeing in terms of what has been presented to the state of Maine is certainly not a pandemic. And that's just my personal opinion and professional opinion as an emergency manager and uh, the kinds of actions and uh, decrees that the governor has been putting out um, basically go against uh, the Constitution. And uh, last time I read our Constitution, there is absolutely nothing in our Constitution that reserves the rights for the kinds of things that are being decreed um, under any kind of an emergency to include a pandemic. So I think uh, we're going to learn an awful lot about who has the ability to make laws in our state, who is supposed to make and amend the laws. And right now, our state constitution says very clearly that the governor is not uh, the person that makes laws. Uh, the executive is is to enforce laws just like the judicial uh, department does. And uh, she has an opportunity as the executive uh, lead officer to present legislation to the legislature for uh, additions, uh, deletions, or changes and amendments to the law. But right now, creating law out of nothing um, is not constitutionally in her uh, job description, and uh, she's finding out very clearly. I know that there are several representatives that have just recently signed a letter uh, sent off to Attorney General Barr with regards to the criminality of the unconstitutional things that she has done in her executive orders. And then uh, I think that uh, Representative uh, DeVoe out of Caribou has recently uh, introduced um, some language to the legislature uh, to uh, start an inquiry for impeachment of the governor. So I believe that there seems to be some 
actions happening by uh, concerned legislators now, at least on the Republican side, and we'll just have to wait and see where it goes. I understand you've attended uh, at least uh, one or two Augusta rallies. How many rallies have you gone to? I have uh, made the last two rallies. I okay. sure have. How long of a drive is that for you? Uh, a little over three and a half hours, about 345. Okay. Did you drive down by yourself or did you bring other people from the county with you? Oh, of course I brought people from the county. We were, we're a small crowd up here. <laughs> uh, were you guys wearing masks in the car? Uh, what kind of masks? Face masks. <laughs> mask that everyone's wearing. I had my Batman mask on. Is that a cloth face covering? I'm pulling your leg. We had no mask on. You had no mask on. Okay. So when you went down to the protest in the car, I guess there wasn't any physical distancing or social distancing. What about when you're at the protest among a couple hundred people? Were you wearing a mask then? Uh, no, I didn't wear a mask. And uh, most of the people that were there probably did not have masks on. That's correct. When you go to a store or another public situation where you're supposed to be wearing a face covering at this time, are you not wearing one? Uh, no, I don't wear a mask because uh, the governor has indicated that people must wear a mask and it's unconstitutional. And then my personal rights under the First Amendment give me the right to assemble and to go where I want. Now, if a store owner says to me, you can't shop here because you don't have a mask on, I will honor that storekeeper's uh, um, wishes. Meaning you won't shop there or you'll put a mask on? No, no, I won't shop there if, if I'm not allowed to shop. Okay, so if you can't shop without a mask, you just go to another store? Sure. What was your impression of the protest? And I mean the, 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 one, the most recent one where Governor LePage, or former Governor LePage was there. He was in his car with Florida license plates. He didn't get out of the car. He maintained social distancing. What did you think about his appearance there? I don't know. I didn't see him at all. Um, in fact, it, I didn't even know that he was uh, there until someone made a comment that he was going to make a, a um, an announcement over the PA system, and I heard his voice come on the PA system, so wasn't aware that he had made an appearance. Well, he plans on running again, or so he says. Uh, would you support his efforts to get back in the Blaine House? Uh, I am neutral at this stage about uh, Governor LePage's uh, run. Um, I don't know that he has formally applied for um, a nomination. I don't know. I think it's a little early for that right now. But uh, I know that he's back here. But it's one thing to say you're considering running. But, you know, the proof is when you actually file paperwork with the Maine Ethics Commission and uh get your signatures and you're uh, a formal candidate. Yeah, and he'd also have some residency requirements. He'd have to change his legal residency because he's a Florida resident. If I remember correctly, I, I think it's only, it's either six months or a year residency in the state. So, you know, we're, we're, we're a full two years away from 2022 election. So I'm, I'm sure that that's not going to be an issue for him as far as establishing residency. A couple of questions ago, you mentioned a move afoot to be in contact with Attorney General Barr down in Washington, uh, saying something about criminal activity by Janet Mills. What is your view of Janet Mills? Do you think she's a criminal? I believe that she's done some things that are unconstitutional. And uh, if we are to uh, adhere to the um, uh, law of the land, which 
is the constitutions of our land, both the federal and the main state constitution, as the supreme laws of the land. If, if she's out of touch with those constitutions and has done things that are not allowed to be done inside of the constitution, then, um, you know, she's going to have to have, uh, uh, an opportunity to defend uh, why she took the actions she did. And I suspect that there are people already to include folks like Rick Savage and others who are not only doing class action suits, but as I mentioned earlier, the legislators who are putting um, their efforts forward to um, bring her to uh, an opportunity to help to have her defend her actions. So, um, you know, She's innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. That is our law of the land. So um, if the injured parties, to include gentlemen like Rick Savage and the several other law, uh, businesses around the state who are parties to lawsuits uh, against the governor, um, they'll have their day in court to determine whether or not they have been righted or not. I saw on your Kevin Bushy for State Rep website, you have a page devoted to COVID-19 guidelines, and that page recommends wearing a mask. Do you think that's a little weird that you put that up there, and yet you don't seem to really believe that we need to be wearing masks? I'll have to go recheck the website. I wasn't sure that there was a COVID uh, uh, link there. Uh, I did put a copy of the um, guidelines from the Department of Education and Community Development, or not education, but Economic and Community Development, which was the checklist that discusses contact tracing. Uh, and I think in that particular area, that was why the checklist was there for people to see that contact tracing was being requested by the governor's office to um, particularly people who run restaurants. So if you're referring to that link to that checklist, yes, it is there and it may say uh, masks are required. Um, but that wasn't the gist of the blog post. The blog post was to address the issue of contact tracing. Obviously, you're not in favor of contact tracing. Uh, how do you suggest we deal with this public health crisis? Uh, I would suggest we get back to normal and let the county emergency management directors, the county commissioners, and the municipalities, like uh, the good city fathers of Calus, have just opened up their entire town. Uh, which, uh, as I understand it, I haven't seen the actual print information on it, but I was told that Callis has voted to allow their towns and their uh, local businesses, if they want to open, uh, with. Um, and again, I'm not sure if it, if what the criteria is that they have established for their local businesses, but they have at least um, taken the initiative that they find that there is no quote, beyond their local control um, emergency in their area that they're responsible for. And so they have taken um, um, actions to uh, get business back to normal. Do you believe COVID-19 is a naturally occurring virus or do you think it's something man-made? I'm not, I'm not sure what it exactly is at this stage. I know that there are several different uh, schools of thought about uh, how it uh, how it's derived or how it has happened. All I know that I would uh, factually say is we have a pretty good indication both from um, President Trump's uh, press uh, conferences that it did come from China. And I'll leave it to the experts to determine the actual um, 
cause or how it has uh, transcended into the the fact that it has gone into several different countries. I've noticed from your web presence that you're a religious man. What are your thoughts about COVID-19 perhaps being a punishment from God and leading up to the end times? I wouldn't uh, classify it. In fact, I haven't given any particular thought that um, this is some sort of uh, an admonishment to the world. Um, and I am of the opinion we ha- that the, uh, the the COVID is it, it is here. Um, it is a virus, and there are lots of um, experts who have clearly weighed in um, beyond my expertise on how to deal with it, just like dealing with different various other kinds of viruses and flus. Um, and so um, I believe that we're going to uh, see more and more information forthcoming, and I'm sure you're aware the uh, president just recently announced uh, in a press conference that he's been taking the hydro or hydroxychloroquine and the zinc packs, um, and uh, he's still going pretty strong from what I can see, and uh, he's out in the public and doing his thing as the president of our country uh, without masks on, um, and uh, he's leading the way, so I support the, the president. I've noticed from your tweets that you support the president. In fact, uh, in one of your online videos, you referred to Trump as chess master in chief, President Trump, five steps ahead of everyone else in the deep state. What does that mean? I believe that Trump has some enemies around the world, and I believe that he and his uh, executive uh, branch and the folks that are uh, in key positions in his cabinet, as well as his uh, military leaders, um, are dealing with some very uh, tough things. Uh, you have probably seen in the last uh, oh two weeks uh, some of the information that's coming out of the Department of Justice that's being um, declassified and has made its way to uh, both the uh, Congress and into the, the public forums uh, through different uh, various uh, either print media or online media. And so I think that um, there is there are things happening uh, that uh, uh, the president and his team are having to deal with. And uh, I believe that they're working uh, very diligently to help bring out what the truth is with regards to what happened uh, from this time that he became president to the current day and uh, many, many different facets of folks who may be um, attempting to do things to um, either disrupt or to uh, uh, make it very difficult for him to continue as president. And uh, I believe that he's uh, well in hand with uh, his uh, team to deal with it. And uh, we as the public are going to learn uh, more and more as each day goes by and more information uh, on the truth is, is given to us. I watched a couple of your videos uh, via Omega Kingdom Ministries, and what you're talking about is Q and QAnon, right? And I got to admit, it's, it's pretty friggin' complicated, <laughs> and it sounds pretty crazy. When did you start following Q? Uh, I've been uh, able to 
follow the uh, two posts that occurred practically maybe about a week after they started uh, showing up online uh, back in uh, early November of 2017. For the listeners who might not be familiar with what Q and QAnon is, I read, and this is according to a Washington Post reporter who covers QAnon issues, that this is the philosophy of the QAnon believers. I'm just going to read this to you, and if you can tell me what you think of it. Quote, There is a worldwide cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles who rule the world, essentially, and they control everything. They control politicians, they control the media, they control Hollywood, and they cover up their existence, essentially, and they would have continued ruling the world if it were not for the election of President Donald Trump. Thoughts on that? Sounds pretty accurate. So you're saying the the world was being ruled by a cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles? Uh, Those aren't my words, but I would agree with them. What about President Obama? Was he involved in this? Don't know that. I've seen references, and I think actually you tweeted something about it, that there was a desire for some court trials of Obama. And uh, now that's not going to happen. But uh, I saw you mentioned maybe military tribunals for former elected officials. Well, um, as you know, being a former military officer, um, if somebody is found out uh, that there is a possibility that they may have uh, done a treasonous act, there is, uh, and I'll refer you back to the hearings uh, that Lindsey Graham ran with Justice Kavanaugh, where there was a discussion on military tribunals, that it is possible for somebody, if they are considered a enemy combatant, that uh, they could, they can be tried through a, a military tribunal. So uh, I'll leave that up to the experts in, in Washington and to determine whether or not whoever is potentially a a, a traitor to the country, if there are in fact some that have done some treasonous things, that if it's to be done by military tribunal, um, there is a precedent that that can be done. And there were a couple of people, I think it was the Rosenbergs back in the 50s, that were actually executed through military tribunal. How does Q factor into your personal religious beliefs? Uh, Q is... Uh, not a, it's not a religion, uh, although there are some in the mainstream media who would like to think that that is in fact the case. Um, what we, uh, what we do with Omega Kingdom Ministry is we help people to understand, like you said earlier, the Q can be complex. Many people don't understand exactly um, what they might be reading if they're actually following some of the um, information coming from the, the QAnon world. So we help try to shed some light on that and, and to help people understand a little more from our perspectives, uh, uh, both uh, my colleague and I, who one has a very good uh, in-depth uh, knowledge of theology, and I have a good military background and can understand things from a military perspective that can help shed light and put it into layman's terms to help others to understand it. So that that's kind of what we do. Are you a minister? I've seen reference to home congregations, and you. What's that about? 
Yeah, no, uh, I'm not. I'm not a minister. Um, what we do at Home Congregations, which is our uh, website for people who freely come to us uh, looking for an opportunity to learn how to um, lead a small group or a small gathering of people um, in their own communities. Uh, we help them understand the the ins and outs of um, being uh, sort of a facilitator or a leader on how to bring people together and you're going to do some um, spiritually based things or what we might call you know, religion at home where you are, you know, reading the Bible or if you're putting together uh, a team to donate time or effort to go assist uh, the needy um, or to go out and do public service uh, projects in your local communities. We kind of give them some of the tool sets to just be a facilitator and be a good leader so that you can get people um, sort of working together as a as a team and uh, not only just praying together, but operating as a, um, a unit that can uh, help do good in the world. What's your relationship with the, the founder of the uh, ministries, Russ Wagner of Omega Kingdom Ministries? How'd you meet him? What's the role in his church? Uh, well, he's, he and I are just colleagues. That's our relationship. How did you get involved with him? He lives in Indiana. I'm here in Maine. And how did you get involved? Uh, well, we found him through a, I found Russ through a mutual friend that we both had. And we discovered that uh, we were on a similar path in terms of our own uh, spirituality and our desire to, to help and serve others. So is he an actual minister? Uh, he has, um, I'm pretty sure, attended a seminary in his previous life. He's not a minister for a local church. Okay. I saw a reference to time travel, or I heard you talking about uh, time travel uh, in connection to the Bible, and actually I, I think there might even be some connection to QAnon. Could you explain what you meant by that, time travel? Well, we brought uh, some biblical passages um, to our audience to discuss how Things happen in the in the Bible that um, could give you some indication that there are supernatural things that do happen uh, in our world, and uh, we we leave it to the audience to do their own research to determine whether or not um, they believe that there are supernatural things that do happen. And of course, uh, the looking glass technology that was uh, being discussed. Uh, is technology that we neither can sort of confirm or deny that it truly exists as it's never truly been uh, exposed from a formal government uh, spokesman, yet there are multitude of uh, whistleblowers um, that allege that the, the devices or the technology does exist. And so we try to bring together for our audience uh, when we discuss items like that we use a biblical perspective and we show how things in the Bible um, could give some level of plausibility that things uh, from a supernatural perspective that may be beyond our normal uh, understanding of our physics of this world um, uh, have been addressed before in the Bible. And we, we help people to understand, you, you know, seek out 
the information for yourself and uh, do your due diligence and uh, take it to the Lord. Would you consider yourself a fundamentalist Christian? Uh, I would just call myself a Christian. I was reading on the homecongregations.org website about a class called Render to Caesar Civics for Christians that you taught or teach. Are you still teaching that class? Yes, I do. So it's an eight-week online class? Uh, that's correct. We we meet uh, once a week, uh, and people sign up for it, and we uh, we go for about eight weeks. I was looking over the course outline, and the first section is Understanding Our Christian Roots. talks about Mayflower Compact. You seem to mention Plymouth, Plymouth, Massachusetts, Plymouth Rock a lot. What What's the symbolism of Plymouth to you? Have you ever been to Plymouth? As a young boy, yes. That was a field trip, I believe, we went on. All right. Well, did you go to the uh, Plymouth statue, which happens to be a national park now? You know, I I was so young, I don't remember. So, no, I I, I can't say. Well, the pilgrims left us uh, what they would call a roadmap, and it's uh, embedded in a thing called the Plymouth statue. And the Plymouth statue uh, has uh, national protection, and it's, like I said, a small little national park. It's a very small area. It's actually nestled in to a subdivision uh, in the city of Plymouth. Now, I will be up front and tell you, I've never physically been to it, but I have studied it. And there's actually um, one of the videos that I share with my students, uh, narrated by, uh, I think his name is Kirk Cameron. Yep, Kirk Cameron. Yes, yep. And uh, and so he goes, he does about a 15-minute um, sort of a... Um, it's a 15-minute view of the of the Plymouth statue, which is part of a larger movie that he created, a documentary called uh, Monumental, which was the story of our of the Pilgrims prior to once they left England and how they ended up in Holland for a period of time, and then they finally made it to Jamestown, and how they through time built this statue, which I think, if I recall my history on it, it took close to 70 years for the full completion of the statue. But the statue basically is a very large um, um, piece of uh, uh, statue, and it has five primary uh, pillars of, of uh, information that it, lead, it leaves us for the roadmap for a uh, successful civilization. And they're basically simply faith, morality, justice, education, and liberty. And when you watch the 15-minute video on YouTube, you get a pretty good handle in in those 15 minutes, 15 minutes exactly how um, they describe these five pillars and some of the subcomponents to the pillars. So it's a a very, uh, it's something that I think every civic student should have an opportunity to see and learn about because it is part of our history. Are those guiding principles from the, the pilgrims you're saying? Yes, these pil- these uh, principles do come from uh, the pilgrims as far as I know, uh, and they embedded these principles into the uh, statue itself. And in fact, um, I'm, not, no, I'm not sure if you're aware of another uh, book by... Um, a gentleman named Skousen, he wrote a book called The 5,000-Year Leap. And I think his name is Cleon Skousen. He was a former FBI uh, agent and uh, left, retired from there and became a sort of a plur- plur- 
a very good writer. Uh, and he uh, wrote the book called The 5,000-Year Leap, where he went over very clearly 28 principles that the founding fathers used as they were uh, working on and developing the uh, original uh, drafts of our constitutions, our Bill of Rights, and the uh, amendments. In the second section of your Render to Caesar Civics for Christians, you go over the period of 1871 to 1933, and I see on the syllabus here, in parentheses, uh, you have Masons, Bankers, Vatican Jews, Illuminati. We talk about how there are different factions of uh, uh, people around the world who um, have worked very diligently to um, support the idea that uh, we should be in uh, continuous war or having wars because they like to finance both sides of the equation. They will basically... Um, they're, they're the producers, the manufacturers, and they control the money supplies through the central banking system. And they, um, to just make sure that there's a constant churning of uh, wars going on so that uh, they can benefit from both sides of the equation for you know, entities that would want to buy weaponry and what have you. And so we, we, we take a look at that to see how they manage the effort that allows for things to happen uh, in terms of uh, either conflict or, or, or war itself. Illuminati, a lot of us are familiar with that term. I'm not sure that it's been accepted that the Illuminati is actually a real thing, but you believe that they're a real thing. Well, it doesn't matter what I believe. It, it's, it's, tr it's really what the folks who are operating in that realm believe of themselves or what they are, whether you want to call them deep state or shadow government or Illuminati or, you know, Council on Foreign Relations or Trilateral Commission or Club of Rome. There's lots of names with lots of people associated with them. Uh, the question that most everyone eventually gets to is, are, are we dealing with good people versus bad people who have evil thoughts and evil things that they're interested in perpetrating on good people. And that's really kind of what it boils down to. In that same section there, and I don't know if this is a typo or not, but it says Vatican Jews, and as someone who is born and raised Catholic, as I understand you were as well, Vatican Jews seems kind of odd to me. What do you mean by that? Yeah, that might might be actually a, a, a typo. Uh, I, sometimes I like to separate them with little space bars, but we we do have we I think we do have in the world um, some folks that um, you know claim to be Jews when in fact they maybe aren't Jews, but they're pretending to be Jews. But I I don't have anything in particular that I would venture to. Uh, guess on with regards to uh, their relationship uh, to the Vatican. In some cases with Christians, I believe in the end times coming and the rapture, they talk about the need for Israel and for the Jewish state. What's your philosophy on that? Oh, I'm not a uh, big proponent of uh, many of the different 
folks inside of the Christian religion who, you know, like to espouse the different aspects of, uh, of, uh, rapture, whether it be, uh, um, you know, a, 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 what they call a pre-tribulation or a mid-tribulation or a post-tribulation. So I don't utilize, uh, a argument on that with anyone. Uh, people can believe what they would like on that aspect. Uh, I tend to follow the, um, approach that God has put me here on earth and I'm on the earth until such time as I'm no longer going to be here, whether, um, he, uh, is involved with the actual decision and time of exactly when I no longer am going to breathe on the earth. Uh, uh until then, I, I think my duty is to, uh, to serve others and, to, um, do my very best to be, uh, a person of, uh, goodwill and a, an ambassador for um just like the penal groups had taught us the the whole uh roadmap of you know having faith in something having uh, a mo- a moral approach towards life um believing in both justice and mercy and uh helping educate others uh because education is so important in, in everything that we do and then lastly that's how we as a uh a civilization will live free our our whole country has been predicated on our ability to live free and to have the freedoms that we have. And so um, I think it's part of the purpose that I have on the earth while I'm here is to do the very best I can in all those areas. And, uh, and, and by my uh, doing so, um, I'll hopefully leave the, the earth uh, just a little better than it, than when I came into it. Another quote of yours, particularly that I heard in one of the videos and this is a quote, I will do all I can do for all the evil that exists in my own state. That's why God put me back here in Maine after all my travels around the world to start exposing the evil in my own state. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. What evils are you going to be exposing? Well, uh, we could start with uh, the one that occurred back in 1973 when uh, Representative Martin uh led an effort inside the uh legislature to do away with the governor's executive council which was in the main state constitution and uh it took them 3 years to finally get it finally in place uh and they created the legislative council uh to take its place and they actually stripped out of the 1820 main constitution uh the section that uh referred to the governor's executive council which was a council to help the governor to determine if any proposed laws or bills or amendments uh whether they were repugnant or not to the constitutions uh would be sent back to the legislatures or not signed by a governor and in 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 the in the, in the replace of that uh, we picked up a legislative council that has uh, five members from the House, five members from the Senate, which are your basically your your leaders of both parties, that now determine the constitutionality of all of the things that they would uh, bring up for bills. And uh, based on um, verbiage that I have listened to with people who have studied this and have read the actual 
reading of the testimonies and the words uh, on the House floor, um, it would give me an indication that uh, some of the things that were done uh, were were done in a way that uh, gave the legislature the um, approach or at least the understanding that what they were doing was in fact not unconstitutional when in fact uh, there's a strong case to be made that what was done by stripping that language out of the Constitution as, uh, has, has uh, weakened our uh, main state Constitution. Do you equate unconstitutional with evil? Uh, in some situations, it probably can, because remember what I told you early on, if we espouse to the fact that when we pledge allegiance to the flag, okay, and that we believe that the constitutions, both the federal and the state constitutions, are the supreme law of the land, we have to understand where does that law come from. And it's very clearly our founding fathers, to include the Mayflower Compact, uh, signatories who said that the supreme law comes from the supreme creator of the universe. And so if we're going to need to follow what we believe is the true law of the land, we need to follow the, the, the law of the land, which is from the creator, our God. And if we espouse to think that we're going to do something different than that, then we'll continue to just, you know, live in this quagmire where man's going to create laws for man, and uh, we're either going to bow down to those laws, man-made laws, or we're going to stand up and say we're going to follow the laws of the um, God of the universe. So you're saying God's law is is America's law, basically, and you're saying that, you know, God sent you back to Maine um, to go after the evil in Maine. I also saw or heard, actually, you say, quote, educating our kids and students away from this communist, humanist, Luciferian approach to the world. What do you mean by that? Boy, those words are pretty clear to me. So you believe that our students are being educated by a communist, humanist, Luciferian approach? I would refer you back to Cleon Skousen's second book called The Naked Communist. It was written in 1961, but it still applies today. I believe that was actually on your syllabus here, too, uh, the Naked Communists for the Render to Caesar Civics for Christians class. I also note in that uh, syllabus, uh, and again, this is just a bullet point, so I'm curious, uh, it says, rise of national socialism, and then parentheses, means to an end globalism. What do you mean by that? Again, the words are pretty clear. I think if you were to look up what socialism is, uh, and if you were to look up what um, fascism is, what uh, national democratic socialism or communism, it's all a means to the same process. It's just ideologies that are used together in a way to move a, uh, a culture from an existing, let's say in our case, our free capitalistic model, uh, market-based model, to a different ideology whereby there is no God, but there is a government, and that government and or those uh, entities that work within that government that consider themselves elites uh, would have uh, them uh, tell you exactly how you will live, uh, what you will do, and control pretty much most of your life. And the, the models that we're already seeing, what we've seen happen in Venezuela as an example, what we're already seeing uh, has happened in China. Um, 
any any country that has gone down the road of socialism has not had a very good outcome uh and so we need to understand that uh some of the stuff that's being taught uh to the younger generations about being global citizens flies in flies into the face of a nationalistic model of understanding uh what it means to be an american at least for our country uh and having um a uh, unapproached that is a god-ordained uh capitalistic society so our capitalistic society is God-ordained, but when you linked those uh, models together, you said socialism, communism, national socialism. National socialism is Nazi. Are you equating communism, socialism, and Nazi as all the same versus capitalism? They're, they're just variations on a theme. If you've ever studied music, they're, they're variations on a theme with one ultimate goal. National Socialism, the Nazis, killed six million Jews. Socialists, on the other hand, um, and, and I think about some European countries, some Nordic countries that are socialist, that's not what that's about. That's about caring for the most vulnerable in our society. Do you disagree with that? Well, uh, again, socialism is a, is a means to an end. It, it's a it's a ideology that runs a different approach to a culture and a life. And it, it is a godless-based approach to government. And so the bottom line question that one has to ask oneself is, am I going to fall under the dictates of a god because I believe in a god and the civilized approach, as we've talked about with the, the pilgrims, with faith, morality, justice, education, and liberty, or am I going to fall to a different kind of ideology that leaves God out of the equation and creates an environment that the government is your God. That's the choice. Do you equate National Socialism, Nazis, to people that are socialists? Are they the same? Well, National Socialism and Nazis uh, are all part of the same Ballywick. Hitler was a National Socialist. So the key word here is socialist. He just had a relatively little bit different approach towards how government was going to actually run under his, uh, you know, being the emperor or control of, of Germany and his worldwide quest for making a better society by, you know, creating a super race, the uh, Übermenschen, I think they call it in the German term. So uh, again, it's just a means to an end, but key word here is he was a socialist. I noticed in the syllabus, too, of your Render to Caesar Civics for Christians that you mentioned false flags uh, a lot. In fact, I heard you in one of your videos mention that the recent murders in Nova Scotia, you thought that was a false flag. Yeah, I don't know exactly uh, all of the details of uh, the shootings up there, but I was referring to that comment when I made it. I think under the auspices of discussing how there are folks who may be under, um, even today, some sort of mind control or have been uh, subject to being triggered. There are several authors out there today who um, write on the subject, one of them being uh, Russ Dizdar out of uh, Ohio, and he has uh, done uh, a great amount of research 
on the subject, and, and so I would certainly refer to uh, works of folks like him. Uh, those are the type of people that I have read, so I, you know, trust in their uh, work uh, because I've been able to verify many of the things that they discuss in their book. I imagine we could speak for hours about a lot of these topics, so let's bring it back to uh, today, politics, uh, COVID-19. I noticed that you uh, mentioned in a tweet that Trump is the master troll. Who, who do you think Trump is trolling? Oh, I think he is uh, probably giving uh, some of the previous administration um, a fair amount of uh, pushback, given what they uh, have allegedly maybe have uh, been attempting to try to do to him. And uh, he's, a yeah, you know, as a lot of people will say, and a lot of commenters have said, um, Trump is a is a street fighter. You know, he grew up in New York City and uh, he became a very successful businessman and he had to learn to get along with a lot of different kinds of people and unions and what have you. And uh, he's the type of person from what I can see, uh, if you're going to play in his uh, his uh, playground, uh, you better if you're going to dish it out, you better be prepared to, to get it back because he's going to dish out just as much as you try to push it to him. So you're a Trump supporter, but you're also a deeply religious person. How do you equate your religious beliefs with uh, Trump's godlessness, the way he pays strippers or harasses women or his anti-immigrant stances that differ from what Christ would have said? Gee, I think you must be a mainstream media follower. Those are all the talking points that they give out every day. Really? You you don't think that Trump is a godless sort of fellow? Hey, it's not up to me to determine what where his walk is with the Lord. I got I got enough trouble just making sure I keep my walk is on the straight and narrow. So I I didn't uh, I didn't vote for him in 2016 to to be a savior. I I voted for him to uh, deal with cleaning out this uh, proverbial swamp, as we like to call it. So his immoral behavior doesn't bother you? Well. You're the one calling out the immoral behavior. I, oh, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You're saying paying off strippers. I've never met the man. I've been any of the, in any of his circles. So I, if you just want me to carte blanche, uh, uh, accept the, what somebody says on the Rachel Maddow show as the gospel truth, well, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not quite that gullible. There's dozens and dozens of women who have filed complaints against him, sexual harassment, uh, other really bad things. Are you saying those women are lying? I'm not aware of, of those uh, cases. And I again, I presume a person is innocent until proven guilty. That is our court of law. Do you think that Trump is doing a good job managing the COVID crisis? I think he's doing a very good job, yes. Okay. Do you think that any of your constituents or the people that would be voting for you might be put off a little bit because of your belief in QAnon and the Illuminati, things like that? Well, I don't know. I mean, they're going to have to make their decisions on their own about who I am and what I stand for. And I'm a pro-life candidate, and I believe in God, and uh, I believe in family, and I'm going to work very hard to uh, let people know it's time that we bring that uh, type of um, approach to government and uh, get our government back into its uh, constitutions, which it's been out of sync for a long time. And uh, they're going to have a clear-cut, black-and-white uh, differentiation between me and John Martin. 
and uh, it'll be up to the voters to determine uh, which way they want to go. One final question. Doing some research on you, I know you're a author, uh, kind of a, seems like a motivational speaker maybe, or a coach. Is, is that accurate as well? Coach. That's what we do with our home congregations training. It's a, it's a coaching relationship. I plugged in your name to YouTube, and I watched a video of you walking on broken glass. What was that about? Yeah, that was a, a, a time back uh, several years ago uh, where I uh, took some training from a couple of different motivational speakers and uh, uh, part of the process of uh, learning, you know, sort of this whole idea of understanding um, uh, success and believing in yourself is believing in how um, your mind works and how you, um, if you, if you leave or if you work your mind towards positive things, um, then you can believe things that uh, help you be a better person. And by being a better person, you know, taking care of yourself and being part of a, a positive approach towards life versus a more negative approach, um, that you can succeed and do great things in your own life. And that was what that was about. The video cut off right at the end, so you can't really see your reaction. But did it hurt? Uh, no, it didn't hurt. And and I, I found out afterwards, too, that um, if you do a little bit of study, there's lots of uh, motivational speakers out there that do uh, different kinds of uh, 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 little exercises to help people. Um, that, interestingly enough, uh, broken bottles, because uh, that's what kind of what the glass was, um, in and of itself, they're, they're not really, really sharp when they've been, you know, crumbled up. And, uh, so you really don't, uh, you don't really realize there's really, really a very small chance that you're actually going to hurt yourself. But the fact that when you complete the exercise, you say, you know, I believe that I wasn't going to get hurt and I didn't get hurt. And that helps me feel better about myself. I know that uh, some motivational speakers also do the walking on coals trick and the trick with walking on coals for you and any listeners that will find themselves walking on coals is that if there's ash on the top of the coals, you're really not going to burn your feet. But if you brush the ash away or it's windy, then you have a chance of burning your feet. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never done that. <laughs> Maybe that's a campaign fundraising event. Kevin Bushy, a candidate for state representative, District 151 in the Great North Woods. Thank you for your time, and we'll be back in a minute. What I have to say to you now, gang, won't take much more than a minute. But it's serious and important, so please don't go away. As you've no doubt noticed, we haven't anything to sell in this program right now. That is, no commercial product, I mean. Well, that gives us an opportunity to sell you something that's bigger than anything you can buy. Peace. That's something you can't buy with money, but which you can assure by simply learning how to understand and live with your neighbor. You see, when people try to understand each other, they find it's really easy. Honest it is. All you have to do is accept the fact that although all men are in truth created equal, there are certain differences. There must be. Such as, for instance, we can't all look alike exactly. We can't be expected to think alike exactly. And although we all worship God, we need not necessarily all do so in the same way. But those things don't make us really different because 
Underneath all that, we're all people, human beings. And with that as a basic truth, can you see any need for quarreling and name-calling and other such things that make for unhappiness? Of course not. So from now on, in your daily contact with other boys and girls and grown-ups, try to keep that in mind. That's what the United Nations is trying to accomplish on a worldwide scale, because that's the only way to ensure peace. Thanks again to Kevin for his time, and, I guess, his explanation of QAnon. Kevin Bushy, by the way, doesn't seem to be the only main GOP legislative candidate who is active in the QAnon community. A fellow by the name of Brian Redmond will be challenging Democratic incumbent David McCree for House District 148, which also happens to be in Aroostook County, in and around Fort Fairfield. However, one QAnon investigator interview is enough for me. But other journalists should look into Brian Redmond, who seems even more conspiratorial than Kevin Bushy. We want to hear your pandemic stories. Email me at crash at crashberry.com. Until we meet again, thanks for listening. <laughs>